We want to continue in a moment of, of public confession, but I want to give a particular opportunity. If throughout the course of this week or in days of recent days, weeks, that you have come to understand that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation, that you have repented of your sin and you have trusted Christ, and you have never made that known, you've never publicly made that known, and it, it could be further in your past uh, than just what I'm talking about. But if, if that's transpired in you, we're going to give you an opportunity to do something very simple. This is kind of putting a stake in the ground. Our, 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 our shared public profession of faith is the waters of baptism. And we're not going to baptize today, uh, but this could certainly and should lead to that moment in your life. But just as a moment to publicly say, I'm a Christian, here's, here's how we've done it for years. You just stand to your feet, and you do what I'm going to do right now. My name is Jeff Long, and I will follow Christ. I will follow Christ. So, anybody... That's been true of you. You need to stand and make that public profession in front of your peers before we go any further. Anybody? There'll be no pressure. I won't delay this a long time. So, yes. Amen. Thank you, Russell. Thank you for sharing. Amen, Elijah. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Amen. 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 We're going to celebrate big in a minute. You don't have to clap after everybody. I'm about to set this up. All right, so anybody else? My name is Barry Martin. I'll follow Christ. Amen. Amen, Benny. So in some ways you can say, well, this is a safe place to do this. Maybe. It takes a lot of courage. But the Christian faith is not a private faith. It's a public faith. Um, when what Benny read earlier from Psalm 40, when he takes you out of the miry bog and sets your feet upon a rock, it goes on to say, and he puts a new song in your mouth. And Many will see and fear and trust the Lord. It's because it's a testified faith. Uh, 
It's something that we do beyond this moment. We don't just share it once. Uh, it's something that we continue to share. Now, we talked a lot about joy and rejoicing. This is what the scripture says, Luke 15, 10. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So, everybody who stood, stand back to your feet collectively together. Everybody stand to your feet who stood up. There you go. Now, let's join the angels and let's rejoice together. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Matt and others will be following up with you to talk about next steps and what needs to transpire with you that you get your feet under you and established well as a follower of Christ. Thank you for the courage to stand. Now I want to take this message and encourage all of you. Uh, the final message is the clinging soul. So there's a lot of paradoxes in Psalm 63. He starts out, I'm thirsty. Then in verse 5, he says he's satisfied. And now in verse 8, he says he's clinging. Uh, all those things are true. They're all true together. A satisfied soul is still a thirsty soul. And a satisfied soul is a clinging soul. So I want to pray for us, and then we'll walk through this. Lord, thank you for time together. Thank you for those who have stood and professed their faith in Christ and for all who have been changed, that has been read earlier, who the new heart has been given to. Now that heart is forever attached to you. You are the God who saves and you are the God who keeps. So Lord, I pray now that you would take this word and you would apply it to our hearts and that you would encourage each person here. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. This is a hymn, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Um, one of the girls, I don't know, who, who painted the picture in the den? You did, Anna? We have a piece of our barn, and they painted on there a piece that fell off of our old barn. And she painted on there, bind my wandering heart to thee. That, that, that is a continual prayer of every Christian. Bind my wandering heart to thee, because here's what you understand. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart, Lord. Take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Now, <clears throat> It's because we have a great experience at camp because we slow down and spend an enormous amount of time in the Word and in prayer. That is not enough to keep your heart from wondering. There's only one who can keep your heart from wondering, and that is the Lord God Almighty Himself. And if my heart is not bound to Him, I'm going to wander away. Bind my wandering heart to thee. So page 45. 
I don't know why I used the wrong word here. To whom is David's soul clinging? God is not a what? I don't know why I wrote that. I need a whipping. To whom is David's soul clinging? He says, my soul clings to you. All right, you ever been to a haunted house? All right. There's always somebody in the group who's like holding on to you, right? Hiding. I've only ever been to them because I think it's funny to watch people. You know, they're grabbing hold of you through the whole thing. So that's, that's the image. Clinging. But, but, be careful with the image. The reason people cling and own to you in a moment like that is because they're afraid. I don't cling to the Lord only when I'm afraid. Now, I am afraid at times. And the Bible speaks to that. There are psalms that speak to fear and holding on to the Lord in the midst of our fear. So that's only part of it, that this clinging really comes back to what we read in the hymn. Prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave thy God I love. Here's my heart, Lord, take and seal it. Bind my wondering heart to you. That we understand that we're going to wander away. Psalm 62. For God alone, O my soul, wait in silence. For my hope is from him. He only. Only. He only is my rock. So I've had, I've had people say, you know, at a death, well, I'm so, so brokenhearted that she's gone or he's gone. He was my rock. No. No. Only God is your rock. Only God is your salvation. Only God is your fortress. Rock is a firm place to stand, a place that's not going to sink or collapse. Salvation or deliverance, he is the only one who delivers us, and he's the only fortress. He's the one who surrounds us and protects us. And then he says, I shall not be shaken. So when our soul is clinging to the Lord, we're not shaken by what happens and transpires around us. So begs the question, we've been pressing this question in one shape, fashion, or a form since Monday night. To whom or what is my soul clinging? So when I was in high school, we used to take my mother to haunted houses. I know that sounds weird, but she's crazy and funny. So we go to this one at the hospital. It was the scariest. I mean, I got to confess. That night scared me, particularly when the dude cranked the chainsaw, and I didn't know he did it. it was in a dark room, and he touched me with it. It didn't have a chain on it, but man, I could have went through the wall. But we get, we get to, the, to that last room, and this guy had been guiding us through, and my mother was holding on to him the whole time, you know. So we get in the last room, and I don't know, he put some teeth in his mouth and some blood on him or whatever, and my mother didn't see it. And he turns and grabs her. Now, she did put a hole in the wall at that moment in time. So, so what were you saying? Here's what I'm saying. Some of you got a hold of the devil, and you don't know it. You think what you got a hold of is your rock and your salvation and your fortress and your protector, but one day it's going to turn on you. And it's going to turn on you in a place that, uh, that you do not 
know. What you think the devil looks like and who he actually is is very different because the Bible says he's an angel of light. He's the great deceiver. And he deceives us and drags us into places. And he deceives our flesh. So to whom or what is my soul clinging? Here's how you know you have a clinging soul. You ready? Do you pray? I'm not talking about just emergency prayers. Do you pray? Prayer is the evidence of a person who is clinging to the Lord. In Hebrews 4, it says, Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession. That sound like clinging? Let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. So you don't wait till you exhaust all of your potential before you go to the Lord. Both of these words, mercy and grace, are things you don't deserve or earn. We come to him in prayer, clinging to him, crying out to him to give us only what he can give. So that prayer is the beginning. When you begin to pray, you're expressing the clinging soul. And the more you learn to grow in prayer, the more evidence you get that you are, in fact, a clinging soul. So the evidence of being, having a clinging soul is prayer. Another evidence is hope. Hope. Now, hope is not wishing for something. The word hope in the scripture means it means a confident expectation. This is something you're confident is going to come to be. So this is Hebrews 6. So that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement. Here it, again, here it is again. To hold fast, to cling to, to get a hold of, to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest after the order of Melchizedek. Now that last part just means Jesus is king and priest. Now what does this mean going behind the curtain? This is where the, the, the priest went to make the sacrifice. He was the only one that could go back there. And what the scripture's saying is that Jesus is the only one who could make the ultimate sacrifice for us. He is the one on the cross who died in our place. He who knew no sin became sin for us. He died and took the punishment that we deserved. And after his death, he was buried. And three days later, he rose again. And what it's saying here in Hebrews is Jesus has gone behind the curtain. He has accomplished what he set out to do. And he has proved it through the power of the resurrection. And he's established an anchor there. An anchor for the soul. So I went to Alaska one time. And, and uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever seen that show, The, cat, the, the Crab People and... What is it called? Deadliest Catch. You know those guys are kind of weird? They are. I've been there. Most of them are criminals. Like I had my camera out one day in a restaurant, and the dude said, you better put that up because somebody's about to take it from you and break it. 
I'm like, why? He's like, everybody here's got a got a criminal record. And, but I'm I'm having dinner with this boat captain, and he starts telling me a story about an anchor. So when you get in a big massive storm, and he's talking about thirty foot waves, I mean, just frightened me to think about it. The way they survive is they drop their anchor, and then they turn into the waves. The anchor's what is what holds them and keeps them. And he was talking about losing his anchor, and I know there's a God because we were able to hook back onto it and that kind of thing, and it was, it was kind of a weird story. But in the end, I'd never thought about that. It never occurred to me that the way you survive these massive storms is with an anchor. Well, it's how we survive. It's how we survive this life because we have a sure and steadfast anchor a hope that enters into the behind the curtain where Jesus has gone. Jesus has accomplished it, and he is the anchor. He is the one whom we trust in. Now, this again is a quote from A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God. I find this deeply challenging. For millions of Christians, nevertheless, God is no more real than he is to the non-Christian. They go through life trying to love an ideal and be loyal to a mere principle. I just want to say to you, young people, I want all of you to look at me for a minute. You can't take your Parkwood faith, or those of you from other churches, whatever church it is, you can't take your church faith, and you can't take your mom and daddy's faith into the world that you're about to enter as an adult and expect to remain a Christian. You cannot take an ideal an ideal is not going to work. You must have a real and living faith in Christ Jesus, your Lord. You must have a clinging faith. It must be your faith. It must be real and experienced. That you are trusting him with your life. You're not trusting in an idea. Turn the page 46. So we're clinging to him. But don't miss, there's two sides to this verse. Who has David? He says, my soul clings to you. What does the rest of the verse say? Your right hand upholds me. Psalm 62. On God rests my salvation and my glory, my mighty rock, my refuge is God. Trust in him at all times, O peoples. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us. Selah. So here's the question. Am I holding on to him or is he holding on to me? The dude's still in here. No, he's gone. Man, he didn't make it. So anybody ever held a baby? Ever held a baby? Like some of you dudes hadn't. Learn to hold babies. Don't be that goofy guy when you have a child in the, in the nursery going, what do I do? Learn to hold babies. You hold a baby, particularly if the baby gets startled a little bit, the baby will grab a hold of you. Kind of a natural instinct. And most of them will just hold on to you anyway. They'll wrap their little legs around you. They're holding on tight. But, but listen, one of them might have enough strength for a few seconds if you let go of them. Now, is the baby holding on to you? Yes or no? Yes. But if, if you don't hold that baby, the baby's going to fall. Now, here's the image. 
We're just the baby. Yes, we're holding on, but his right hand holds us. And if he lets go, if he lets go, we're in trouble. Now, here's the deal. Once he takes hold of you, is he going to let go? The answer is no, because who has me? John chapter 10, look. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they what? Follow me. Those are no light words that some of you stood up and shared a few minutes ago. I will follow Christ. The only people who will follow Christ, get this, are the people who hear his voice. His sheep hear his voice, and they follow him. I give them eternal life. Now, what is eternal life? We looked earlier that we know God. I will give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. I and the Father are one. So when his right hand takes hold of you, how long has he taken hold of you for? Forever. 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 So J.D. Greer in his book, Stop Asking Jesus in My Heart, he says, It is not incorrect to say once saved, always saved. It's just incomplete. So you don't ever hear me use that phrase. Once saved, always saved. Because here's what most people think I mean. Most Southerners. Once you got baptized, you're always saved. Or once you made a public profession of faith, you're always saved. It's possible to make a public profession of faith and not be saved. Now, we'll unpack that with those of you who stood up. We'll talk more about what that means. But those who are truly saved, those who are changed from the inside out, something very dramatic has happened. So back to my quote. It is not incorrect to say once saved, always saved. It's just incomplete. The full doctrine of eternal security is that once we are saved, we will always be saved. And that those who are saved will persevere in their faith to the end. It is true that once saved, always saved. But it is also true that once, once saved, following or forever following. So I'm going to have you write down two sentences. Ready? Those who are saved persevere to the end. Those who, sa- who are saved persevere to the end. Now let's flip the question, or this, the sentence. Those who persevere to the end are saved. Those who are saved persevere to the end. Those who persevere to the end are saved or will be saved. That's not saying anybody's going to lose their salvation. 1 John says, they went out from us for they were not of us. That means at one point they looked like it, and they talked like it, but ultimately they weren't, and they didn't persevere. But those who are truly saved will persevere. They will persevere to the end. I want you to look on the last page. This is my prayer for you. This is the Bible's prayer. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, 
So it's all about him. It's all about what he's done. According to his great mercy, I'd underline some of this, he has caused us to be born again. I didn't cause it. He did. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven by, for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That means his right hand's got you. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that by the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That is a prayer of perseverance and for perseverance of the saints. Now, you're either clinging or you're not. I can't convince you. I can teach you the truth of, you, of the word. I can proclaim the gospel to you. I can call you to believe and to trust and to have faith, but you're either clinging or you're not. So as I conclude... I want to share two very deep emotions that I have as I finish this camp. I'm not making any of this up. It's usually how I finish every Sunday. But really at a camp where I've been here all week and I've watched you and I've preached and shared with you and interacted some with you. I have two deep emotions. One is a very deep sorrow. This is not manipulation. This is just me telling you I have a deep sorrow for some of you as I see you clearly rejecting Jesus. And I want you to hear me. You're not just lost. You're rejecting. Because you have sat under the preaching and the singing of the gospel of Jesus Christ and you are in a dangerous place. And I am deeply sorrowful for you. Now, I love you. When I say I'm deeply sorrowful, that does not mean any way, shape, fashion, or form I hate you or I'm angry with you or I want to lash out at you. No, no, no. I was once a very angry young man. And I say that to you, that my deep sorrow extends an invitation of conversation between us at any time you ever want to have it, and I will treat you with respect and kindness, and I will listen to every concern and hurt and anger you have. And I'll treat you as a person. Doesn't mean I may not leave that conversation still sorrowed, but I promise you I will treat you like a person. And I'll treat your concern as real. My prayer for you is to come to faith in Christ. This isn't a comparison, what I'm saying. Because the Bible teaches sorrowful yet rejoicing. 
There's also some deep joy in me. Because I see the evidence of faith here. I've done some camps to where the whole room was disinterested. <laughs> I've spoken at youth retreats to where people couldn't wait to get out and do whatever it is they were going to do out. But there's some evidence of faith here. There's some evidence of joy. And it's not just in the singing and the listening when I'm preaching. I'm watching it in the dining hall. I'm watching it around the dorms. I'm seeing Christian people treat each other as believers and act like followers of Christ. There's a verse in the scripture that says, Nothing brings me more joy than to see my children walking in the truth. Um, as a pastor, you just feel this fatherly love towards your congregation of people. It brings me great joy to see my children children walking in the truth young people so as I conclude I conclude sorrowful yet rejoicing and it is my prayer that your soul is going to be satisfied so Daniel I didn't ask for permission where you at Daniel Moore where you at Daniel two years ago we just about sent that boy home for acting like a fool. And had we give up and written him off, he'd probably still be acting like a fool. But God grabbed him. So I may be sorrowful, but I believe in a God who saves. And that makes me rejoice. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the hope that is in the gospel. And I pray for these young men and women that they would realize that you, when you have saved them, you have saved them forever and that you have them. And though there's a lot of yet ahead in their life, I pray that they would trust you. And for those, Lord, that are resisting and turning, continue, Holy Spirit, to convict them. And may they repent and turn to you. And I know that for some, it's going to be in the quietness of their bedroom. For some, it's going to be in a very hard place. And for some, it could be right now. So, Lord Jesus, thank you for the salvation that you have granted to us through your sacrifice on the cross and through the power of the resurrection. Thank you for the joy that is evidenced in every believer. So now, Lord, I pray that your children, because we're all your children, would now rise to praise our Father through Christ the Son. We pray in Jesus' name.